Welcome to the Gigless Podcast, a podcast showcasing the works and talents of those who lost their gigs due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will feature a range of creators from the Tri-State area who are young visionaries and who contribute to their craft despite the recent events that have happened. Join us today as our host, Remy Leibovic, speaks with Melissa Kai, a Brooklyn-based artist whose art can represent every and any body. As a self-taught artist, her paintings speak to those who are unrepresented by the body-positive movement and brings light to the beauty and uniqueness of one's body. You can learn more about her work and of her upcoming projects slated to be released in the fall in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this newest episode of the Giggles podcast. Today, I have our guest, Melissa Kai. Hi, everyone. So Melissa is a awesome painter from Brooklyn, and she has a lot of works that deal with a lot of modern subject matter and a lot of social commentary as well. So Melissa, introduce yourself to our guests. Hi everyone. So as you know, I'm Melissa. <laughs> um, so I am a Brooklyn-based artist. Um, majority of what I know, I am like self-taught. Don't really know a lot of the professional stuff, but you know, I'm I'm going through it. <laughs> uh, most of my art is mainly body positive. So I paint a lot of plus-size women. A lot of people just in general that don't get represented in our society as much and just feel like, you know, outcasts. And I'm trying to show people how beautiful they really are by making them art. Um, I make some other stuff here and there, but majority of what I do is all about the body. (laughs) The body? Yeah, the body. (laughs) So what are some of the materials that you use? What are the mediums that you use to make the bodies? So for the most part, I use oil paint. Um, Occasionally I'll use acrylic paint and I've worked with ceramic before, but my favorite is definitely oil paints. So to people who don't paint, what is the difference between oil paint and acrylics? Because I know that this is going to get into our next uh, question about materials, but if you could just explain that. So acrylic paint is is thinner than oil paint, and it dries a lot faster. Um, Oil paint, on the other hand, you have to use like a mixing medium to loosen it up, and you have a lot more time to blend. So, you know, I could paint something, I could have painted something yesterday, and I could still blend it right now. While acrylic paint, once you put it on the canvas, you usually have about like a couple of minutes, really, to, to really work it in. Um, so it's, it's, it works differently for different styles. Like if I do something abstract, I'll go with acrylic because I don't need to blend. But whenever I do the bodies, I always go straight for oil paint because it's all about the blending. <laughs> all about the bodies. Yeah. So the reason why I asked you about that is because, you know, we're in quarantine. Well, we're post quarantine now, but during the times that we were in quarantine, how was it for you to get materials because a lot of the art stores closed down? Right. So usually the way that I would buy pre-quarantine was like, I'd go to the store, I'd feel things, I'd 
see the colors in person and decide whether I want something. And I really had to rely on just like hoping I was buying the right things <laughs> during quarantine. And there were a lot of things that I bought that I was like, I hate this. I wish I could have like seen this in person and I would have known not to buy it. Um, so there was definitely not like a lack of material. It was more just like, I couldn't play around with them before I got them. Right. Has that gotten better for you now that we're out and about and allowed to wander? Yeah. So now I'm able to like go to the store and just like, you know, a lot of art stores will have like pads of paper where you can play with the markers and the pens and just like see if you like something. Um, So it's been easier, but I did have to kind of like lose some money during quarantine on like materials that I didn't want and just had to like kind of learn to love them. (laughs) Um, But it's definitely, it's easier now. And I think I've also figured out a way to like buy stuff online and and feel safer about it because now I know what to look for and what to not look for. (laughs) Great. Have you done any social distancing gigs or online streams of your work during this time or post quarantine time? Um, yeah, so I've, I go live a lot on um, either Instagram or TikTok, and I just, like, paint on live and talk to people. Um, I've, I've never, pre-quarantine, I've never, I would have never been comfortable with something like that. I'm very, like, don't want to be the only person talking, <laughs> and, like, you know, everybody's just watching me, but I really had to, like, learn to let that go and figure out a way to just be more comfortable going live and showing people my process because there's really nothing else I can do. (laughs) So you are a, you know, you're a gallery artist, you are a painter, and you are weaving your way through this post-COVID environment in New York City. Could you tell us what it's been like for you as a creative in, based in Brooklyn? Like, like, what have you observed during this time? Um, in regards to, like, galleries and well, stuff like that? galleries and just your experience. Like, are a lot of people, because I know that a lot of people are leaving New York City. A lot of right. galleries have shut down. A lot of things have become virtual. How right. could you fill us in for the listeners that aren't necessarily based in Brooklyn or New York? Yeah, so... Um, there are still a lot of, you know, like the big museums have all kind of opened up right now, but all the little ones that someone like me would try to rely on and try to get into, they're still closed. So what I've only been able to experience during COVID is like virtual galleries. And I was, I was in one, um, not too long ago and it's like a crazy, just a new experience. It's a new way to, to view art and, you know, before it's, it was all about like getting really close to the art and seeing it in person. And now it's kind of just like, you rely more on the words, you know, like you see the art and then you read about it and you see what you get to see. You can't see the texture really. You can't see just like the likeness of, of a real piece of art. But I think it's, it's cool because more people now get to see your work because you can send a link to anybody in the whole world, while as before it'd be like, you have to come to Brooklyn and see my piece and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
there are definitely pros and cons to both, <laughs> but I think this is a way to get more like smaller artists to really have that gallery experience. Right. And it also is about accessibility too, because right. not everybody could physically go to a gallery or have access to even being in a show. Right. Do you think that, so let's get a little into your education. So you said that you're self-taught, right? For the right. most part. And, you know, you stretch your own canvases, you right. do the whole thing. How, so now our galleries, do you think that that's going to change now post COVID? Do you think that the, the art degree is not necessarily going to matter as much? So I think, I'll be honest, my opinion is I don't think that the art degree ever really mattered when it came to being an artist. Because like when I went to art school, the only thing that I learned really is how to stretch a canvas and how to mix oil paints with the medium properly. After that, they can't teach you how to paint. You know, they can't teach you how to do all these things. When I graduated, I feel like I had the same skill that I came in with, like the same level of, I guess, talent. And then during COVID was, that was when I really like practiced and put my all into it. And I've gotten, I think a lot better than I was before. I think that degree is only, it only matters if you want like, a, I'm putting quotes here, a real job. <laughs> right. Um, but even then, artist, yeah, even, even then, then. Like, a bachelor's in fine art or studio art really doesn't mean anything um I just kind of like I was already in college for something else and I was like I hate this I'm just gonna get an art degree while I'm here <laughs> um so yeah I really don't think you can learn everything online and it's just really the means you have to have the money to invest into art um right. which is why about that yeah yeah um I mean, I've been, so I've been painting since I was a kid, but I couldn't afford, you know, oil paint or anything like that. I couldn't even afford to try it. <laughs> um, and then when I started going to school, we had to buy it. Right. So I like, I used some of my financial aid money to go and buy oil paint because it was for school. And that was the only time where I was like, finally kind of using, I guess, these higher class mediums. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I can't believe, like, I've never been able to touch this before. Right. Um, but it's super expensive. Like, I'm, I still haven't broke even from all of the money that I've invested into materials. Even, like, I can keep selling stuff for years. I probably still won't break even. Right. Everything costs a lot of money. <laughs> right. And we've, I've discussed this on this podcast before, but to anybody who's new and listening, FAFSA financial aid does not cover your art supplies. Right. I have had classmates while in studio art classes. Like I remember in my sophomore year of college, I was, I was in, we were all leaving a class and it was down the hall from one of the other, uh, from the painting class in my arts building. And there was a girl that was just, she was a Latina and she was crying because to the art professor, because she was a freshman, she never, you know, she wanted to be an artist. 
she never knew that FAFSA wasn't going to cover her stuff. And she was trying to convince the art teacher. She was like, I have acrylics. Let me use acrylics. Right. And I have all this stuff from my previous education in high school. Can I use that in this, in this painting class? And he was like, no, like you gotta buy oil paints. And to those who don't know, oil paints for, for a full on set, for a full-on class, and this is just round one because you do run out of paint. All the materials and supplies are like four hundred dollars. Yeah, one tube of of you know, like you can buy a, a small tube of paint, and that'll run you about twenty bucks. Um, but if you're gonna be in an art class, a small tube of paint is nothing, and you have to buy the big tubes that cost um, usually a little bit more than that. <laughs> And um, brushes are expensive, canvases expensive, palettes, the mixing mediums, all of that. The only thing we were supplied with was they gave us one bottle of paint thinner, um, one tube of white paint, and one tube of black paint, and some brushes. That's and more then, than what yeah. most art schools give. Well, most art we schools were, don't give anything. We were given, we had an art fee. So like just being an art student, you were, you had an extra fee. So it was kind of like with that fee, they'd give you a couple of materials to make it seem like, oh, you paid for this. Like, don't worry, you're getting your money's worth. But a $400 fee and like $50 of material doesn't really add up. <laughs> we got an extra 300 something in fees for studio fees. And we still, the only thing we were given was like, Here's a walker, and here's an easel. Right. You yeah, know? we couldn't even, we, we borrowed um, the stretchers too. So we'd stretch our own canvas onto their stretchers, and then we have a, had to unstretch it, roll it up, and take it home. So it's kind of like I have a bunch of, like, big pieces in my room that are just rolled up, <laughs> and I can't afford to really go and buy stretchers to restretch them. Yeah, because it's a process. You need the space. You need the time. Right. You need the money. It's really expensive. So I want to talk about this piece that we've talked about before in our discussions. Um, and I don't, and you say in your post that you're by no means finished, but this collage of bodies, that yeah. piece, what's the piece's name and where can our listeners find it to follow along? So the piece is currently still unnamed. Yes. We, we as in me, is having a real hard time picking a name. Um, but you can follow along on, I'm, I'm posting the process, you know, on my art Instagram. Um, it's melissa.kai.art. Um, the piece is actually officially going to be finished today, <laughs> which is super exciting. Um, after this podcast, I'm going to be... I'm going to be Today's 930. Today is what? Oh. Today is September 30th, 2020. So to anybody yeah. who's listening in, this episode is going to really be released in the next few weeks. But Right. It'll be finished by the time you hear this. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm going to be officially like putting it up for sale in a couple of weeks. And I'm just really excited because I've been working on it for months. And it means like so much to me <laughs> you know like I've received a lot of really nice comments from people just saying like I I see my body in this painting 
and it makes me feel good. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm crying, but it's cool. <laughs> right. And so to our listeners it is that are listening in on this right now and they don't have access to Instagram at the moment, uh, maybe you're driving, maybe you're walking in the park, but this piece is a collage of multicolored, larger, uh, you know, focus on cellulite, focus on roles, focus on a lot of them. Are they feminine leaning bodies? Are they more of, um, are they more feminine bodies or is there like a masculine body in here or like a man's body? Um, so this painting is everybody in it identifies as female. Okay. Um, I will be doing a painting actually after this for both non-binary and males, um, which is super exciting because I don't typically paint men and I know like the body positivity movement is really lacking for them. Right. Um, so I'm really excited to start to work on that. And but this is yeah, this is an all female collage, um, mainly fuller women. There are like, you know, some slimmer women here and there. But it's it's crazy because I never asked. You know, technically, I never asked like only send me pictures if you're fuller or any anything of the sorts. This is just like what the average woman looks like. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of these women are just like average sized and people don't even realize that because they're not shown. I think that the average size in the United States for a woman, like the average pant size is like, I think it's like 14 or 16. Yeah, but it's around the 16. Media, yeah. yeah, but our media totally spins it a different story. Right, they show their plus size is a size six or a size eight. And I'm like, you this isn't cool because like you hear that too when you're when you're over that size you're like wow I'm like five sizes above that <laughs> like yeah, I'm I didn't a size six I'm, in jeans yeah and it's like I didn't realize I was so above average like you know it's it's hard to hear these kind of things like for me you know I'm a size 16 yeah so whenever I hear like size 16 is is barely advertised and I can barely find a pair of pants <laughs> that fit me um that's kind of where all of this stems from from like my own problems really with body positivity I'm like you know if nobody wants to do the thing I'll do the thing <laughs> and that's really where this all comes from yeah it it absolutely does so so how does your audience, when you had galleries or online, like what's the overall response? Um, so I've only, I've been in two galleries previously. And the first one, like I was not in this body positive mode at all yet. Um, and the second one I was. So usually it's always kind of like, I get really nice comments of this looks like me. I feel represented you know, like just, just people finally kind of finding a place where they feel they can be in safely. <laughs> um, so the, the response really is what drives me to keep doing it because I initially was kind of scared. I was like a little worried that it wasn't going to hit the nail. <laughs> um, but once people actually resonated with it, I was like, I found my people, I found my audience there is an audience for this, you know, all of those women that are above a size eight, 
you know, they, uh, and, and women below a size eight, it's really everybody just kind of wanting to see themselves represented, um, underweight, overweight, average size, whatever it might be. Um, I found my people <laughs> on the internet. Right. And, and to everybody who is like, I feel that art, like larger bodies in art, especially now in our contemporary age, I feel that like a lot of people don't re don't realize that you know some of the first like the Venus of Hol of Holfels or the Venus of Willendorf, if you know what those figurines are, like mm -hmm. those were the first ever depictions of a female body, right. and they are larger. The breasts are sagging. They have a big belly or right. Like, you know, there's an emphasis on the thighs and the booty. Right. Know? It's not like this very, like what I feel happens a lot is like this very thin or ghost-like figure right. is the depiction. Yeah, like this isn't a new subject. This yeah. is like when you go, if you take an art history class from the early years of art you'll see more people that look like what i paint in size size wise than what you might see if you go to a gallery right now like a modern gallery or you know opening up a magazine <laughs> or something and it's also always the topic of conversation in an art history class like oh this woman is fuller like they're painting fuller women and you can see like where their uterus is supposed to be is always a little fuller right. and they're painting they're just painting they're not even like big bodies they're just not small bodies either right. so it's kind of almost like going full circle of we started here we moved to skinny bodies and now we're kind of going around back to i guess what you would consider like an average body right because the female body has more organs than male body right they're all stored in the lower torso right even yeah. i mean even skinny girls have a little bit of a, a bump right there because right. it's got to go somewhere <laughs> there is always a bump unless like you're jillian michaels and you wake up every day and you're like literally shredding and crying right you're always going to have that little like even she, like, has a little, like... It just goes out just a little bit. <laughs> and I feel that, like, you know, menopause and the other natural cycles of a woman's body is going, like, I feel, like, with the bloating right. and the other symptoms, like, those are all, all like, you know, you gain weight. A lot of right. women gain weight. A lot, that's just a natural part of the process. But we, in the society... Like we can tend to demonize that. And with your artwork, you're going, you're getting back to that. Right. You know? Because even, you know, you look at people that are the same size and they look completely different. Right. So there can be two people that are size six and they'll look like completely different bodies. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like in this painting, I'm just trying to be like, I don't know what size these people are. I don't know anything about them. This is just what they look like. And it's, it's always kind of nice to see like similarities between strangers that I'm painting because right. I'm like, this person probably thought that they were alone in whatever it is that they had on their body. 
And they're but, so joined. Right. It's, it's really, I love it. <laughs> I really do. And there's also this idea, like to anybody that's listening right now, the, there's no faces in this. It's right. all body. It's all, you know, but it's all like, it's just all body. There's no faces. Right. Which leads me to my next picture, which leads me to my next question and our next, the critique of the next painting, the, the famous RBG. Right. That yes. you painted. May her memory be a blessing. Yes. And you said that acrylic is the devil. Yes, <laughs> I did put that. You whipped her up. I did put that in my caption. Um, I, when she passed, I literally couldn't sleep. Right. Um, You know, I was in my bed and I'm like, I need to do something to take my mind off of this. I like, I can't believe that this happened. And so I just got up and I was like, I am too lazy to paint with oils right now because it's a whole setup. I have to take out my palette. I have to take out the oil. I have to take out the linseed oil that I mixed with it and the gam salt and all of these things. And I was like, I can't do that right now. I'm not in a place. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take out the acrylics. If it sucks, it sucks. Right. Um, it does suck though. It didn't end up sucking. <laughs> um, Cause usually my style is very blendy and the painting I made of her was very kind of, you can see all of my brush strokes, which is not something that I typically like to show. Um, but it was very therapeutic to just like paint this woman that changed so much. And portraits are, I kind of started with portraits and like fell into the whole like body paintings instead. Um, it just felt really nice to go back to a portrait for, for an hour and paint this inspirational woman, you know, that, that just like fought so many fights. <laughs> right. And you know, I know that you are a Jewish woman, right. and I know that RBG was also a Jewish woman. Right. And she passed on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. So that must have been very, like, impactful, you know? Yeah. Because I immediately, um, you know, like, I knew that passing on a holy holiday was it means that you're a holy person. So when that happened, I was like, uh, not, not to be punny, but I was literally like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, what are the odds? The odds are, are, it's so slim that someone would die on, a Jewish person died on the holiest, one of the holiest holidays of the year, the new year. Yes. And it really just punched me in the face. So as I an learned, artist, you... I did what I do. Yeah, I did what I do. I my therapy mode is like painting and I just really let it all out on the canvas. Um I was really sad. I'm still really sad, but you know, in in Judaism, they try not to make death something so sad. Of course it's going to be sad, but we always think about their memory. We always talk about the good times. We always try to see the the brighter side of the situation. So instead of sulking and just being sad, I was like, let's do a memorial piece. Let's let's show her <laughs> to the world in the way that I know how to do. 
Exactly. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, um, art is used as a medium to express a lot. And mm -hmm. I'm just happy to see that you're, you're reflecting on, you know, your personal experiences and you're putting them into your artwork. But at the same time, you are, you know, still even with quarantine, even being post-quarantine, you're still like showing that to the world. Right. And, you know, as an artist, as a painter, do you miss, you know, have you joined any groups online for like critiques or have you, do you miss the art community? Do you, do you still feel like you have it, but it's just digital? Yeah, that's actually the last one is exactly how I feel where mm -hmm. I'm in a bunch of like Facebook groups of artists. And I know that if I ever need a critique, I can post it there and they will give me a real critique because the criticisms of like the internet are not really helpful. <laughs> um, I have a lot of people just like criticizing me on the fact that there aren't, as they say, enough skinny bodies in my work. Um, but I paint off of what I get. So like if I don't get skinny reference photos, I'm going to paint whatever I have. <laughs> literally um, go anywhere else. That's what yeah. I would tell people. Go I, literally I tell anywhere people, else. I tell people to just paint it themselves. <laughs> yes, that too. If you, if um, you want it, make it. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, I still have that online community. I, I do miss those in-person critiques because seeing a piece in person is obviously different than seeing it online. Um, and that's kind of like one of the only things I really liked about school, where they can see it, they can get really close. They even see like you painting it in the process, you know, and they can give you a real criticism. Right. So yeah, I do miss it, but there's a new world. <laughs> We're in a new world now. Yes. I totally believe that we are and we have to translate onto a different, um, we definitely need to translate onto a different plane. Like we need, right. like the physical plane is a little bit on pause right now yeah. still, even though we're post COVID-19, but you know, it's still going yeah. to, it's still gotta go onto the digital plane. So we're in our last five minutes. I know it went by so fast. <laughs> Yeah, been talking forever. You said five minutes. I was like, "What?" Yeah, I know, right? It's you, that's what I love about this podcast is that like my guests and everybody that listens like they really can just hold it on. But so, any final thoughts? Um, I always tell everybody, you know, if you want to try something, you should try it. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to try oil paints, there is a way to do it without spending an insane amount of money. Get little tiny tubes of the cheapest paint that they sell <laughs> and little tiny bottles of the cheapest oils to mix them with. Like, if there is something that you want to try, you need to try it. Save up the money if you can. It's, you know, like I've been, I've been saving up money forever just to invest into materials. And sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I love it. But not knowing if you'll hate it or love it can drive you crazy. Right. So I say just try whatever you can. Just and it. yeah, if you hate it, you hate it. You can always sell your materials. There are people who will happily buy semi-used materials for a cheaper price. <laughs> um, just 
just do what you think you need to do to be content and don't live your life, you know, questioning like, oh, what if I tried this thing? Just try it. <laughs> just try it. That's really all I can say. Right. And I feel like art, especially painting, can be so intimidating to so many people. Right. But, you know, a little bit each day goes a long way. Yeah. You can even start with just drawing. Yeah. Just like that's that's where you should probably start because you can kind of play around with proportions and figure out what your style is. And while you do that, save up the money to even try acrylics first because you can find like super cheap acrylic paint and super cheap brushes and canvases. Um, I always wait for the sales, you know, sign up for, for Michael's and Blick's emails. <laughs> right. And go like the day that it happens run. Yeah. If you're a student, they all have discounts for students. Take advantage. <laughs> if you're not a student, still use your student ID yeah. or They're your email until you. it gets revoked. <laughs> They're literally never going to question you. <laughs> so yeah just just start somewhere you know and know that you're like working towards something that you really want to do absolutely I think that more I think that everybody can be an artist right but at the same time the difference between all artists is just like practice and time yeah you can tell when someone really dedicated the time like even if their style is like stick figures you can see the time that they put into learning how to do that. Ah, uh, yes. They're, all the sick figures are made with different uh, thickness of yeah. markers, like different thick, different levels, different, oh, this one's right. a 2B. This one's right. a exactly. 1H. This one's in a Sharpie. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, look at this. They use Sakura pens and then, <laughs> and then Prismacolors, you yeah. know? It, it all means something. Sometimes it doesn't, but most of the time it means something. And I tell this to everybody and everyone that's listening. There's a lot for as much bad art as there is out there. There's as much good art. Right. And I feel that a lot of people get intimidated by social media to produce and produce and produce. Right. At like a rate, but where they have to compete with the algorithm. But you know what? Real art's not like that. Yeah. I, I started fight, trying to fight the algorithm initially, and I was like, you know what? I'm not just going to make pieces just to make pieces. There you go. This is, this is not what I want to... I don't want bad art like that I make to represent me. I'm only posting the stuff that I love. Exactly. And there's a lot of artists right now that are using, you know, they use graphics programs like the Adobe Suite. Mm -hmm. And there are people that use, you know, just their draw pad, like their drawing pad on their phones. Right. There's different, uh, there's a, just a bunch of different mediums that are just finding their place on these social platforms. Yeah. But if you just show up each and every day and try to, you know, put a little effort in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there's such a thing as like, bad art but I do think there is a difference between like okay someone put a lot of thought and theory into right. this and effort and then someone was just like I'm just gonna produce as much as I possibly can without right. thinking anything through and it's yeah because like, uh. I feel like even with my art like when I look at my old stuff before I learned 
everything that I know now, like art history, color theory, all of these things, it might look almost similar, but it's not the same. Right. You know, and you can never really pinpoint what it is, but as crazy as it is, like it's time. <laughs> it's just practice. You can always tell when somebody has tried their hardest, you know, and put in all of their knowledge into a piece. Right. Yeah. Well, Melissa, it's been great talking to you. Thank you for being a guest on the Gigless podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gigless. And I look forward to seeing you all back here for our next one. All right, Dan, take me out. Thank you for listening to the Gigless podcast, hosted by Remy Leibovic and produced by Dan Wagner. The song used in our intro and outro is Beachwalk by Unicorn Heads. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to our social media page at Instagram Podcast and our website, geeklosspodcastblog.wordpress.com. There, you can find out more about the artist, contact the host and producer, and find out more about our schedule. Thank you.